0: welcome back this is part two as promised of our game to post game podcast and we're here with an og co-host our new zealand correspondent joe how you doing sir
1: good thanks just chewing on a key roll makes a (laughs) makes a crappy audio but
0: great start
1: (laughs) clear 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 airways
0: yeah, well, yeah. you have got to be able to sing the the praises of the Celtics to the heavens. So you, you need a, a lozenge out throat uh, to Ooh. to achieve that. <laughs> there you go.
1: Exactly, ma'am.
0: Now, Joe, uh, since we last saw you, I believe you've been married. Can you can you give us a quick? I'm sure the the listeners are dying to know a quick run through of the of the events.
1: Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm actually self conscious because uh, I realize my my wedding rings actually not on me right now. It's
0: in, <laughs> oh shit. Uh,
1: I think it's in the bathroom. Maybe <laughs> I should just get it I remember. Yeah, man. Nah, I went for the cheapie, a eh? seventy seventy huck on the uh, on the old wedding ring on the on the basis that I think I'll probably lose it once or twice. But yeah. mate, was it was a whip. Oh, mate, we had a ripper day. Eh? Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, it was a pretty pretty faith based, pretty faith based sort of ceremony. And um, sure. yeah, and it was that was pretty pretty cool for us. Um, Beautiful day, beautiful autumn weather down here in New Zealand. People pay thousands of dollars to come here and get married. I just did it for free.
0: You live there. That's great.
1: You know, exactly, <laughs> yeah. And then uh, we went down to Queenstown for the for the honeymoon. Queenstown's a pretty well-known spot, I imagine. I imagine you even know what I'm talking about when I say Queenstown. Even
0: us Aussies know Queenstown. Yep. <laughs> uh,
1: played Jack's Point. Uh, so if you're a golfer, I highly recommend it. Um, I would have paid double what they charged me. Like it's just stunning views, man. And um yeah, it's it was a great course and I just thoroughly enjoyed it. eh? so nice. I'm sure not everyone's a golfer, but as we all advance through our mid thirties, most people start to pick it up a bit more. And, yeah, I'm um, gonna make the I'll transition
0: soon. Yeah, I just did yeah, my course, ankle yeah. so badly, and uh, I don't know. My next basketball game is is not, yeah, coming in the near future. But look, man, congratulations again. I'm so glad to hear it all went well. And uh, now, selfishly, glad to have you back at a time where you know the Celtics are humming along. It's a it's a great juncture to to get together and talk some Celts. Now we had Wayne Spoonie on the pod earlier for today for part one of this podcast. So go listen to that if you haven't already. We, we did our immediate reactions to to game two. Joe, it's been a while since we had you on, so I'm keen to get your thoughts on this series more broadly speaking. So to start with, has this series gone according to your expectations so far?
1: Yeah, I think so. Like, in reality, it's been a very close series, eh? Do you
0: mm-hmm. reckon?
1: But, uh, uh, yeah, we're 2-0 up, but we're a, we're not far off being down 2 nil. um, and... You know, there's only two options after two games, right? It's either one-one or it's two-nil, and um, and yeah, yeah. I think I think it seems about, I think it seems about right. I think on balance we've played better than the than the nets, um, and I think had less luck. So yeah, I think I think it's about, I think it's a fair reflection of how the teams have played, and, and um, yeah. But I think the teams are very evenly matched. And I think the the the, the gameplay has borne that out, and mm-hmm. the results well, they are what they are, you know. Um, but I'm very happy to be on the right side of the ledger. I don't know, man. Like, what were your expectations, bro? Like, talk me through the talk me through. Your, we I feel like we have this chat almost every time. But what what were your expectations for the for the series?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, that's the right temperature check to make every time we catch up. Right, it's like how are we doing according to expectations? Which sort of um. They control how much of like how we feel uh, based on the how we feel about the result of a given game or a given series. So, it, it's a mm. good temperature check. Expectation-wise, this is not based in any sort of thought or logic at all because leading up to this series, when it looked like it maybe wasn't going to happen, us matching up against the Nets, I was all bravado- Bring on the Nets, you know, fuck them, all that stuff. And then, <laughs> and then of course, we get matched up with the Nets and it's like record scratch. Oh, my God, like now it's happening. And if you look at all the talk around the mainstream media, I don't think anyone knew what to expect because there was a lot of people with a lot of different predictions and it was kind of difficult to gauge how this was going to go. I guess if you, if you had to make a prediction, it would be that the Celtics have been the better team throughout the season, their defense has held up, KD was going to be a new challenge for them defensively, but like, you know, gun to your head. If you had to make a choice, it was probably going to be Celtic. So that, that's that been my expectation. Don't know if I expected us to go up 2-0. I thought it was going to be a little bit more back and forward, but I'm certainly glad, like you said, that we're on that side of the ledger and, and that's how things have gone so far. I don't know if I expected us to win the games the way that we have and shut down... Kevin Durant in, in two consecutive games the way that we have and to win with relatively low scoring games from the Jays. So, I mean, let's talk a little bit about that, Joe. Like who have been cuz you can't say necessarily that it's Tatum and Brown at least scoring wise. Who have been some of the standout performers for you in the series so far?
1: Uh I I mean, I thought in today's game um I thought Jalen just had some incredible finishes and when we were really teetering and, you know, it's in the fourth quarter, like a 17 point deficit or whatever in the second quarter is nowhere near the same as an eight point deficit and like with seven minutes left, like one has a lot more pressure on it. And there was this point there where it must be early fourth quarter. I feel like we were just like down eight for two possessions um and it it sort of you know it was teetering and I'd like to be honest my memory's a little fuzzy at the minute <laughs> but it, to by. me like it just felt like it felt like Jalen Jalen relieved the pressure and he relieved the pressure just getting to his right hand and finishing man like um it was it was part of I, I guess with Jalen right like we've got to live with a mistake that he makes for being too aggressive yeah but that's what we get for it like we get a guy who can. Just he just has a mentality to get to the hoop, um, and that's I Like I think we've just got to take that deal as fans. You know, we've got to live with the occasional bit of tunnel vision. That's Jalen's game to me. Um, I don't expect him to necessarily be a, a, a playmaker. I want him be like Terminator. You know?
0: Yeah, absolutely. All right. So Jalen Brown, the initial sort of standout performer for you there. Uh, it would be good to see him a little bit more head down and, and taking guys like with and Curry to the bucket. But the the playmaking emergence and the maturity there, like that, is like if we think about it. You know, we've been doing this podcast since I think his sophomore year, and it's been great to experience the growth and the maturity of his game and, and to see it manifest the way it did at the end of game one in that amazing play, the, the sort of presence of mind to to pass out of that position he was in. And then in the fourth quarter to kind of be the catalyst for the win, like that's that's amazing. Um, so Jalen Brown definitely a standout performer. Who else you got? What about Al Horford? I feel like you've got some. You know, <laughs> Al Horford yeah. is a guy that you have sort of you've been in his corner since the beginning.
1: I do love, do love Al Horford. I, I just thought when I was watching when I was watching the game, I was like, he, he's re, he's coming out with the safety off, you know, and that's really important because that's you know. When I defend Marcus Smart, I defend him because his willingness to shoot makes him a much more effective player than if he kind of was scared off by his own percentages. And Horford, as at times during this year, looked really unwilling to shoot. And when you do that, you really hurt your team. Tonight he came up with the safety off. He was looking to shoot if he got open, and he's got to do that. Like, he's got to stay as a threat because then he can attack closeouts and so on and so forth. Um, but I just felt like it really gave us um, – it gave our offense vitality, seeing him ready to really, really to shoot that. Like, be aggressive. Think you're Steph Curry. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, catch the ball and think you're Steph Curry. Like I'm going to make this. Um, so, yeah, so just Al's probably, like, yeah, his, his – His expectation of himself that he was going to shoot was, uh, I thought, thought really, like a really positive development. And I think it's something we need. We really need, through. we're going to need through the rest of this playoffs. He's got to be a threat.
0: The fact that those shots are going down reliably as well, if you think back to the beginning of the season where, you know, defensively he was spry and there were talks of young Al or Fountain of Youth or whatever it is. But the fact that, you know, I mean, the shots weren't going down consistently to begin with for like the first half of the season. And now it's a it's a pretty reliable look, I think, for the Celtics. So that that's been great.
1: Well, I just think one follows the other. That like it, you feel good about shooting, you so you let it fly, so you shoot it more. So you're ready. You're more aggressive. You know what I mean. So you're more comfortable shooting. So you make even more. And the reverse is true. Yeah. And you, you can't like psychologically, man. You've got to be out there aggressively. Like you've got to be aggressive looking for your shot. I think I think everyone plays better. When when they're just on that side of the ledger, you know, that's what creates the opportunities to do different things. Like if Mark is smart, <laughs> I had to bring it back to him. But if he wasn't, <laughs> like if he wasn't, if he didn't have his attitude towards shooting, people don't close out on him. And people closing out on him is what opens up the rest of his game. So, you know, I think it's something that you, you have to accept from players. like Like be happy when players... That Even if you don't like their percentages that much, if they're willing to shoot, because it's so much better, so, so, so much better than a, lo- a high percentage shooter who's scared to shoot it.
0: Yeah, I mean, it helps that with Marcus Smart, since he's become this you know, amazing you know, new point guard for the Celtics, that his shot selection is, is that much better, that he is shooting at a higher percentage and you do have to respect him and close him out harder because he's a more efficient shooter um since this career turnaround for him w- with Horford though I'm interested like defensively on Durant like the Celtics their defense on on Durant and Kyrie has been I I would say the the catalyst for these two victories so far Al Horford has been such a big part of that with his one-on-one defense on Kevin Durant is that surprising to you that he's been able to stay in front of Durant so easily and then more broadly speaking with the team's full defense on Durant and Kyrie do you think that's sustainable throughout the series or do you expect the the Nets to punch back on that
1: I expect the Nets to perform according to their sort of historical averages Durant (laughs) and Kyrie is
0: that (laughs) no
1: that's franchise
0: historical averages I'm talking about
1: (laughs) (laughs) I I expect Kevin Durant to play like Kevin Durant at all times and if he doesn't You beauty, but (laughs) if he, I don't expect to see that the next game. I'll never will. You know, Um, I thoroughly expect us to lose. I thoroughly expect us to lose the next game. I think they'll both have big games. Um, And I don't think it's any reason to be scared. You know, pretty much every series gets to two one, Mm -hmm. and um, this is one of those things. Sorry, I just thought about this today. There's actually only two options, right after game three. There's only two possible scores. 3-0 Three 0 or two one, you know. You ever think about it like that?
0: Um, no, I'm just thinking about how terrified I am of KD and Kyrie to finally, you know, come out of the the cave they've been living in. Particularly KD, um, but I mean, Mate, you, I, until
1: they're, until they're dead, until they're out of it, man. Like they are still absolutely a threat to win. They really are. Well, actually, until yeah, they're probably I like on. You know, until we've got like a two-game lead and we've got them on the brink of elimination. So how I kind of think through this is like, it's going to be 2-1 almost certainly after the next game. Like, I don't know what percentage of series wind up at 2-1 instead of 3-0, but it's got to be like 85% of series wind up. So so we're going to be there. So it comes down to game four. Because after game four, there's only really two options, which is Mm -hmm. it's either 3-1 or 2-2, right? And, And that obviously and that shapes the the series entirely. Um, I think game four is so crucial. Like game four is the biggest game of the year for us. Um, and, and I think, you know, once we get to 3-1, I expect us to close out. Um, but if it's 2-2, two, two, if it's 2-2, two, two, man, like it's back to one series. And it's, you know, just as likely as not, to be honest. Um,
0: terrifying thought.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, we should be. We should be terrified of them. Kevin Durant's the best player. He's the best player in the world. And and we should be terrified of him. And we're lucky we've had we've been able to get the shooting out of him that we've got.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, he's been bothered by this defense, this sort of unprecedented I guess the you'd have to go all the way back to the OKC series against the Grit and Grime Grizzlies to look at another instance of, of Kevin Durant being so bothered by defense that we have the benefit now of him being much older and Maybe at some point, the sort of lingering effects of his Achilles injury start to emerge in this sort of circumstances. It's definitely the hardest he's had to work since coming back from that injury, where he showed no signs of having had the injury in the first place. Maybe the Celtics can use that to their advantage. This
1: isn't my point. I've heard it on a podcast, one of the ones in the rotation that I listened to. I can't remember what to attribute it to, but like basically, they were like, I don't know if Kevin Durant believes in this team. Like, do you, reckon, do you reckon Katie thinks he can win with these cats?
0: I don't think so because, I mean, do you think that they can win at all? Like, say they get past the Celtics and, and the, like, prevailing narrative, if they do, will be, like, great, great fight by the Celtics. But at the end, they were just too inexperienced through and through organizationally and the players on the team to to get past savvy veterans like Katie and Kyrie. Um but you would think that the buck stops at the next series or maybe the conference finals for the Nets. Like, I don't really believe that they could really contend for a title this mm. year. KD is a self-proclaimed, you know, hoophead or hooper or whatever you want to say. Like, um, he, he surely knows that as well. Mm.
1: I think so, too. And I think it's going to affect his mentality overall. Like, I, 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 you know. Uh, even though I'm maybe the resident pessimist, like I still expect the Celtics to win. When you've got a two nil lead, you should wow.
0: <laughs> Put money on the Celtics. Joe believes we're going to win.
1: <laughs> I'm not. I'm a, yeah, I don't know if I'd go that far. <laughs> <laughs> no, but but it's certainly more likely than not if you've got a two nil lead, right? But um, yeah, I, I just think Durant. I don't think Durant would doubt for a second that he can win this round. Um, but you know, when Grant Williams and Al Horford and Jason Tatum are smashing you, when you're just trying to make it like a, you know, come off a pin down, um, you've got to really believe that your team's got a chance, right. To keep fighting through those screens. I I think at the margins, I think in the margins, your desperation levels are going to reduce. Right. And um, that's going to affect, that's going to affect how aggressively he plays. Um, And it's, I think it's a really good thing for this. I, Yeah, I wonder about where he's at psychologically. Not that he's a beaten man psychologically. I think he's just like, ah, this is not my observation. Someone else has said it, but I do wonder if he's like, ah, stuff it. We'll just come back next year. This year's year's just on the piss, right? So let's just... (laughs)
0: Well, I mean, I certainly hope he feels that way. That would really benefit us going into to Game Three, where the Nets are the favorites. This is essentially the reverse betting odds in Game Three than what, for what we've seen with the Celtics and the Nets in, in Game One and Game Two. Vegas has been right so far, so I um, mean, there is that expectation for the Celtics to to lose Game Three, but they've just got to get one right. They but they really do need to get one of those games because, like you said, uh. if they come back two to two, momentum's with the Nets. They're on a, a two-game winning streak, and suddenly they've like figured out how to win against the Celtics in in this kind of series. So that bothers me. We've got to get one of these games.
1: I'd be stunned if we won game three. It's all about game four. All about game four. Honestly, all series really are about game four. (laughs) I'm getting on on a little soapbox now, but they really all are. (laughs) And this one, especially so. Yeah.
0: I want to pivot to some Reddit comments very quickly. This is from curryboy1229. They said, this team just has something about them. That 2016 energy is back, and it honestly is heartwarming to watch. Years past, we would have folded and lost as soon as we went down 10+. plus. It just speaks volumes to what EME has done for this team. I can't wait to see what is in store for them. Benner eighteen, Boogie, blah, 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 blah. Do you agree? I guess the other team that I would shout back to, Joe, would be the, the 2018 team the good vibes 2018 celtics does this team have something about them like do they have that pizzazz for lack of a better term that it sort of inspires you and makes you feel they could win it all at this point i mean
1: these are two really good wins but i mean i still look i'm not all the way there yet at all um what do you need to see to be all the way there i mean it's one of those things it's like you can't win the championship until you do win the championship um (laughs) I I just, I look, I still think there are some real psychological scars, you know, and even if they've held over, right, you know, we're some awful losses. This team had so many awful losses. And, um, look, I want to, I want to believe it's over, but they're part of this team's record. They're just as much as part of the record as, as the plus seven point differential. And, um, that stuff can show up under pressure, but you know, um, so far so good in the playoffs. We're, but like, I, I will not be stunned if we're coming back two two and we're you know, and things start teetering when in game five like that. That could totally happen, and I, I won't be sitting there stunned about it at all, um, at, at, in the slightest. I think this I think this team still has demons, man, that it needs to get through, and it, and it probably it needs to, it just needs to keep winning. You know, that's the only cure. Sounds pretty simplistic, eh?
0: Well, you know, Occam's Rozier is a, a term that we, you know, like <laughs> to fly around on this podcast. So it's I been think a while. Yeah, you're kind of leaning in that direction. I mean, they certainly are shaking off some of those demons. We've had two clutch wins now and and coming back from a 17 point deficit today, yesterday, if you're listening in the US. Like, that's huge relative to all the negative aspects of this team that we saw in the first half of the season. So, not only are they showing that they have matured beyond that point, but they're doing it in in the highest stakes uh, to me, it only adds more to like this team has that that sort of twenty sixteen twenty eighteen energy about them. If we can just get over this hump of the nets in the first round and win this series, I feel like sky's the limit, but it's it's difficult now to sort of look beyond this because there's still such a huge challenge ahead
1: I, yeah, I just feel like there's a cluster of data points that relate to this team that show that you know there's weakness and there's an accumulating cluster of data points that say maybe it's moved past it but I don't think I'm at the point where I'm like it could have I think it could have offset that that, that the new data point over set of data points overwhelm or offset the old ones
0: yeah that's probably a really healthy approach <laughs>
1: yeah um but man this is a hell of a lot of fun you know like, uh, I may be disappointed if we if we lost from here, but what a blast! Like, yeah, we're having fun here, right? Everyone, yeah, sure, <laughs> well, man.
0: Speaking of having fun, this is a comment from user J twenty three MV. The Peyton Pritchard minutes were big up to O, and the Jays haven't had a breakout game yet. I, I want to focus on the Peyton Pritchard part of that, firstly, because his name sounds great in a New Zealand accent. But also, Python like, Pritchard. Pritchard, Pritchard, buddy.
1: Pritchard. <laughs> like <laughs> you did it.
0: <laughs> of, of all the sort of like, if we think about ways, like the team or individual players have exceeded expectations. Bridget in this specific playoff game, compared to just one game ago in, in Game One, like the minutes he had, the way that he held his own in those minutes, the way that he wasn't a total defensive zero, and the way that he was like completely and totally a contributor to that run that, that won us the game. Was that, I don't know, like, is that a standout? I'm surprised you didn't mention Pritchard in, in your standout before was earlier because to me that that's just been amazing. <laughs> uh,
1: I mean, you sort of probably padded his stats a little bit at the end. Uh, sure. A little bit. <laughs> no, they weren't, you know, they weren't inconsequential. They weren't exactly garbage time, but they weren't quite crunch time either. Um, man, I, I always believe Pritchard's going to make shots. Um, it seemed like to me like they were stashing him on Claxton a lot mm. um, so maybe that's a way he can stay in the game a little bit longer we can really use his shooting and uh, Tatum like, as Spoons is kind of covered a lot like it's clearly like I think he's most comfortable with Pritchard entirely like I think that's, that's the guy that it seems you know that he seems to to mesh the most most uh, seems to mesh the most cleanly with him yeah. Um so it's great if he can stay on the floor. Um Blaxton, I mean, I guess he's a he's a lob threat, but he doesn't seem they certainly don't seem to be featuring him. Um <laughs> and wanting to wanting to utilize him. So we'll we'll see how that continues.
0: Moving on here, because we are we've already gone like way over our <laughs> pre decided a lot of time. This final Reddit user comment from yes, I am that one dude. Guys, let's not get too cocky or carried away just yet. Going up 2 0 doesn't mean a whole lot. We just took care of what we needed to. Stay confident, but don't start celebrating like we won the series. Remember in 2018, when we had two of our series that went up 2-0, in go the complete distance, and even lost one didn't, of the Cavs. You know what they're trying to say.
1: I love how like this is such a fan comment where- we think that our mental approach to it actually affects the outcome of the game.
0: Like, <laughs> I feel <I'm>, that way.
1: <laughs> I completely feel that way.
0: <laughs> uh, there's like certain topics I won't cover on the pod, for example, because I like I don't want to jinx them and, and, and make them not happen. So I, I am completely and you,
1: there. And you'd be foolish to ignore that instinct, Ben.
0: Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> it's nice to have that validated.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, in terms of managing your expectations as a fan, like- we're certainly not out of the woods. I think it's okay to tilt towards expecting to win, mm-hmm. but do not be do not be surprised if we come back two two and we're in a lot of trouble in the third quarter of game five. That's a very that's that's just as real a possibility as any.
0: Yeah, all right, enough of that. I can't I can't live with that on my conscience. <laughs> We're going to finish up with something very special here, Joe. I- I'm glad we waited for you to come on the pod before we covered this. Marcus Smart is the 2021-2022 defensive player of the year, the first guard since Gary Payton in 1996. You probably even more so than Celtics J. Joe, on this podcast have been the biggest Smart like flag waver over the years. So tell us what the Smart Deepway award Means to you as a fan? Like, did he truly deserve it? Because it ended up being quite divisive in the end there with a few other candidates. And yeah, just give us the full spiel here, Joe.
1: I think, like, the best argument that I saw for making him defensive player of the year is Danger Cats. Danger Cats kind of made this point that, like, if smart, say, 1.5 points, yeah, like his defensive rating is one point, so, say, it's two points better than, you know, the next best guard. And 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 uh, Gobier's one point, you know. I feel like I'm fumbling over the names of the stats here. His defensive rating is one point higher than the than you know than the number two center. Like sure. that's kind of that kind of indicates the that that's the case, right? It's when you're so much more effective than your peers. It's like you know that's that's the argument. In absolute terms, I don't think he has the same. Impact on reducing the amount of points the other team scores, uh, than then Rudy Gobert.
0: What? No, I don't. I don't. <laughs> but, I'm kidding. Yeah, <laughs>
1: <laughs> but but it doesn't. But that's not actually the measure of a defensive player. It's like you are to me. You are that much better having smart on your team than not. Mm-hmm. You know, as a, as a defender, um, man. <laughs> when it comes down to though like do we really know what good defense is I don't know for me smart it's not about like some kind of statistical um case for making them the the you know the defensive player of the year. smart's about the magic right it's the he's just got this incredible basketball intuition that shows up more defensively than on than offensively and um I think he seems to be the beneficiary of a PR campaign I think that's probably true but I don't care man I'm a fan. And I want to I want to shout out this guy. I doubt he listens, but he might. He's this guy in the New Zealand basketball trading card forum. His name's Jason Jowett, and he's like a Marcus Smart fiend, And he has he has sniped me a lot yeah, <laughs> for no, like Jason. Marcus <laughs> Smarts. And, and and so yeah, Jason Jowett, you probably don't know who you. Are. I actually knew your brother, by the way. I went to I went to, I was in the hostels with him. But anyway, um, more well. <laughs> Small world, country. Very small country. <laughs> um, but yeah, shout out to Jason Jowett. So I think Jason Jowett might be the only person who enjoys a small. It was just cool, man. Like, I'm glad to see him getting his respect as a player. That, that's the bigger point, you know? Yeah. Like, um, I think he's a way better player than than the consensus is. I think he's a much better all round player. But I, I value a lot of the... I value basketball intuition really, really highly. And um he's just got it in spades. I, I like the Brad's the Brad Stevens quote, right? Marcus Smart Impact's winning is so true. Um and he does it in a combination factors. He's it's not just defense, it's definitely offense as well. Um, but this is the only way he's like he's never gonna be all NBA, first, second, or third team. This is the way he gets his gets his recognition. I'm really happy for him.
0: Yeah, and I think it's really important for Celtics fans because the one thing we've consistently had to rally behind since the Garnett Pierce trade has been Marcus Smart and his winning plays and his winning ethos. And sometimes that's been in losing seasons or Mm. seasons that ended disappointingly. But the one constant throughout that whole time has been that we've been able to root for this guy who, you know, like embodies it sounds corny, but that Celtic pride, that sort of red owl bark, that. Tom Heinsohn kind of vibe that really emanates more truthfully than anybody else on the team since the the Garnett trade uh, within Marcus Smart. And that's been something that Celtics fans have been able to get behind, you know, since we drafted him. So for it to sort of the arc to reach this point, hopefully it's not the conclusion of the arc, but for it to for now peak there, I think is really Important mm. for Celtics fans and validating for what we've been rooting for this whole time. And ultimately, I hope it's just part of the of the bigger story and and the bigger outcome that if we don't get this year, we'll, we'll come in the next couple of years. I just want to see that image of Marcus Smart hoisting the the Larry O'B. You know, like I just I need that. Like that needs to be part of this whole thing before we move on and and Smart retires and we we get behind a whole other group of guys.
1: I uh, I uh, you know I really hope that happens as well, but. For me, like winning the championship isn't entirely the be all and end all. I actually think about him playing his whole career out here and retiring here, and I'll still discuss him even though I'm a big fan. I'll still discuss him as a trade piece if if it warrants it you know but, <laughs> but that's what I really want i think I think that's a much more satisfying narrative arc as a as a fan yeah, you know i I want the experience of cheering for this guy the whole way through his career, and I hope it includes. You Know, I hope it includes a, a mountaintop experience, but um, I guess for me, I get a lot of satisfaction out of the longevity of my fandom. And um, and I hope you know, one player playing for his entire career with one team, you know, I think smarts he's got a chance to do it, mm-hmm. like you know, he's locked in for another four years. This is year number nine, eight, no, I eight. think, year yeah. eight, year eight, you know. So, he's probably going to get 10, you know, before before they start talking about anything. 10 years yeah. is a long time with one team. And, and um, I think there's a special relationship, like you said. Definitely. Um, with the fans. And um, I hope that both, I hope the front office recognizes it. But I hope he also kind of recognizes it as well. Like, his career won't be the same somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And... That might mean recognizing in the future that hey, my job's more to be the captain and take a diminished role on the team. I hope he does that to stay with us. That's kind of what I kind of over his career. These and this is you know this is like completely extra to being a, a, a you know winning a championship. Um, that stuff means quite a lot to me. I, I think.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I, I feel the same yeah. way. Um, although championship. Would be nice. Well, we should end on this this comment, yeah, this tasty nugget of a Reddit comment from Rockman ninety four. Marcus Smart is a ring away from real Hall of Fame consideration, best defensive guard of his generation. Uh Joe, like, is that is it a championship and now the depoy and the tenure with the Celtics and the like above average performance of the team, at least for the last couple of years. Is it going to be enough, or is it too early? Too early to tell.
1: Hall <laughs> of Fame in my heart, but absolutely <laughs> not. Like, <laughs> no, it's not going to happen. He's would not that... going to make an. He might make one All Star team. You know, yeah. Like maybe. that. That would be. It, it would be a year if the Celtics crushing. We're winning sixty five games and we're like the Atlanta Hawks in twenty fifteen. They got four players. That's the kind of thing. That that's the kind of season that he'll be an All Star in. but, you know, hey. Oh, I could always be wrong. I'm jersey retirement?
0: up in the yeah, rough, I there? think
1: I think it's way more likely than being. I think I could definitely see him being having his jersey retired.
0: Yeah, um, for some reason with Smart, I'd like to see Smart up there, like Lusky, You know, like with the, leave the number thirty six <laughs> to someone else. I feel like that's his vibe. Smart, Smart. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Maybe like a weird Celtics Twitter meme up on a little square there, Joe. Anything else you want to touch on before we wrap this one up? nah man I'm i all good I'm fresh out of takes got the takes out there good it's a good yeah, feeling alright folks that's gonna do it for this one what an awesome I guess 72 hours it's been for Celtics fans Celtics J Wayne Spoony, and a special guest are gonna do another pod in a couple of days Joe it's been awesome having you back on man thanks again
1: yeah thanks for hosting I can't believe you've done three podcasts in one day ben. I know I'm gonna to go
0: to bed <laughs> you're a madman
1: you're an absolute madman
0: alright folks until next time go Celtics peace